Okay. The recording has started, but we have not yet started. Okay, is it 8 o'clock? <laughs> I want to remind you... Hi. <laughs> I remind you of the basic structure of the Haggadah. The Haggadah is, is a kind of a compu- confusing tapestry of different things, but if you look very carefully, you see a certain sense to it. First, there's a question. The questions we know begin with Manishtana, and for some reason they're usually relegated to children who don't understand very much about anything. But these four questions that we ask, at least one of them, is really relevant to what's going on. And that's the question about Chameitz Umatzah. Maybe also the question about Moror. The first question is about Chameitz Umatzah, then about Moror, then Matbilin, and Haseba. So Matbilin really is, you know, it's just an add-on uh, in Pesach. Haseba, I think, is also an add-on. We would call it an add-on. Eight o'clock. We try to start eight o'clock. Even though it runs against my grain, but I keep doing it. Um, okay, so these questions, let's say there's one question, one really good question which is, uh, how come we eat matzah all the time and we don't eat chobetz and matzah? There's every question like that. Of course, that question doesn't ever really get answered in the Haggadah. In fact, none of these questions get answered. But if you say that the question is sort of a paraphrase of what's going on here, you know, like that's the question, then according to the Mishnah and according to the Haggadah, there are two basic answers. The first answer, the first answer, if you have a Haggadah, I see you don't have a Haggadah. No one has a Haggadah. After, after Manishtana, we say, Avadim hayinu Okay. And then, It sounds like the answer to the question of what's going on here is Sipur Yitziat Mitzrayim. That's what we're supposed to do. When does Sipur Yitziat Mitzrayim start? Well, that seems to be a difficult question. But according to this answer, it starts from Avadim Hayinu Leparo B'Mitzrayim. It doesn't start from Yosef or Yaakov or Yitzchak or any of these people who existed before the Jews were in Mitzrayim. It doesn't start there, but it starts, Avadim Hayinu Leparo B'Mitzrayim. That's the beginning of the story that we tell at the night of Pesach. So even though the story is a little condensed here, we know that you can expand, you can tell more and more about the story. Now that's only one version 
of the story that we have to tell. But there is another version, and that comes after Chacham, um, the four sons, and different drashot. There's another version of the uh, of the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, which begins, according to the Mishnah as well, unbelievably, mitchila ovdei avodah you avotein. Mitchila, like like there's a machloket between these two versions about where in history does the story of Yitziat Mitzrayim begin? According to one opinion, it begins Avadim Hayinu Leparo Mitzrayim. That means that even though Hakadosh Baruch Hu told Avram Avinu that his children and grandchildren would be slaves in Egypt. The story of the slavery, the story that we're supposed to tell on the night of Pesach, begins with the slavery in Egypt. That's what Avadim Hayinu Leparov Mitzrayim means. Okay? Now there's a second story. And the second story is Mitchila Ovdei Avodazara Hayu Avotenu, which means, which means, no, no, not only did we start the story from before the Avdut in Mitzrayim, but we started before ya- Yosef and Yaakov and Yitzchak and even Avraham. When the, when the Medrash or the Haggadah says, or the Mishnah says, Mitchila, Ovdei Avodah Zarahayu Avotenu, Vachshav Kervanu Amakom Lavodato. So who is the Avotenu? Who is the Avotenu that we're talking about who was an Oved Avodazara? Who amongst our forefathers was an idolater? Nobody. Unless you say that Terach was one of our forefathers. Okay? We spent the last 3,000 years in denial and we say that Terach was not one of our forefathers and that somehow Avram Avinu was not really connected to Terach. He, happened, he was able to disassociate himself, to disconnect him. And here on the night of the Seder, here on the night of the Seder, we say, Mitchilo, avoteinu. A remarkable, a remarkable statement to make. And there's a pasuk in Yehoshua which backs this up. And the Pasuk in Yoshua says, Vayom Yoshua, Kolaam, Kolaam, Hashem, Lokei Yisrael, Be'eva Nahar, Yashvu Avotechem, Me'olam, Terach Aviyah, Vachavadin, Achor, Ve'avdu Elohim, Achirim. Elohim, Achirim. So, but even if you say that Terach was really the father of Avram Avinu, and even if you say that Terach was a bona fide Oved Avodazara, but why would we tell our story beginning from Terach? I mean, what does Terach have to do with the story of Yitziat Mitzrayim? But remember again the structure of the Haggadah. There are Arba Kushiyot. The Arba Kushiyot can be wrapped up into one major question, which is what's going on here, which could mean why are we telling the story? So the answer to the question is to tell the story. Now, in fact, based on the Mishnah, there are two stories. 
One story, the first story that we tell is Avadim Hayino Leparo B'Mitzrayim with, of course, the appropriate tune, right? And the second story that we tell is Mitchila of Yovotenu with no tune. Because while we can somehow suffer the fact that we were slaves in Egypt and sing about it, we can't suffer the fact that our forefathers were over there, we're certainly not going to sing about that. Right, so if you see in the tradition, at least in the traditions that I'm aware of, there is a tune for Avadim Ayyidul Paramazai for some reason, but there's no tune for Mitchila. I've never heard anybody sing Mitchila of the But those are the two stories. What? You know a tune? I don't think Kalbach. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I never heard Kalbach do a Seder. What? So, so this is the structure. This is the structure. I'd like to make one more point before we, we do any more kind of analysis. And that is that after we say, Mitchila ovdei avodah zara ayu avoteinu, there's a very long drasha based on psukim in Devarim, which begins with the words tsei ulemad. Tsei ulemad, which means, let's darshan it. Let's understand the psukim. That's what it says in the Haggadah. Right? The Haggadah. First it says, it says, mitchila ovdei avodah zara ayu avoteinu. And then you skip a couple of paragraphs and you get to tsei ulemad. So tsei ulemad, is a backup of mitchila of even though in that first paragraph itself it brings the posseg from Yoshua, which indicates that Terach was an Ovid Avodazar. But in the Tsei Ulamad, interestingly enough, it says this, Ma bikesh lavan ha'arami lasot liyakov avinu, sheparo lo gazar ela al hazcharim, vilavan bikesh lakor et ha'kol. Shneemar anochi oved avi. That's what the Haggadah says. Now these words anochi oved avi begin a, a few psukim in Dvarim, which are connected to what we call vidui bikurim. Vidui means um, a statement. I mean, it also means a confession. But here it doesn't mean a confession, it means we say vidui bikurim, it's a statement about the beginning, the, the bringing of the bikurim, and that's on the sheet. Look at the sheet. <coughs> you see it says, Vanita Vamarta, you bring the bikurim to Yerushalayim, the first fruits. And then you heave them with the kohen in a basket, and you say the following. The Torah tells us that there's a text, and that text is Vanita Vamarta Lefnei Hashem Elokecha, now, we know what those three words mean. We just don't know who it's referring to. Arami is an Aramean. What's, what's Aram? Aram is what at later time was called Bavel. Right? Arami and then Oved. Oved sounds like the word La'aved, which is to destroy. Arami an Aramean destroyed Avi. So that's, so I, my father, he destroyed him, or he was a destroyer, or he intended to destroy him, you know, any of those 
possibilities are, are reasonable. So we say Arami of Edavi, Vayered Mitzrayma, Vayered Mitzrayma. So it's only one Av that was Vayered Mitzrayma. And who is that? That's Yaakov Avinu, right? Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Okay, Avram went to Mitzrayim, and Yitzchak went to Mitzrayim, but I mean, they didn't stay very long. Yaakov went to Mitzrayim and stayed for a long time. So he's Vayered Mitzrayim. So we just seen from the Pesach that Arami is the Aramean who wanted to do in my, one of my Avot. Which of the Avot? Yaakov. Who's the Aramean who wanted to do in my father Yaakov? Lavan Arami. That's, uh, that's what it says. So Rashi says, Arami Oved Avi. Mazkir Chasdea Makom. Arami Oved Avi Lavan Bikesh Lakor Etakol. Kishoradav Achai Yaakov. You remember Yaakov left the house of Lavan. He went with his wives and his children and these flocks that he had, he had gained. <coughs> So, of course, uh, what do you mean, Arami Ovedavi? He didn't do it. Remember, he came and he met up with Yaakov Avinu and he said, you know, I could do whatever I wanted, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to let you go. God came to me in a dream and told me that I should let you go, so I'm going to let you go. So he wasn't Ovedavi. So Rashi, Rashi teaches us this kind of strange principle that when it comes to non-Jews, machshava and ma'aseh are the same. If you plan to rob the bank, that's bad enough. You're, you're a bank robber. When it comes to the Jews, when it comes to a Jew, the machshava is not enough, but there has to be a ma'aseh. And that's what Rashi says. He says, with idolaters, Okay? So there's no doubt that Rashi thinks that Arami obeyed Avi, that Avi is Yaakov Avinu. So that means that in the explanation of the part of the Haggadah, that begins with the words mitchila ovdei avodazara hayu avoteinu, right? Within that, within that, there is a reference made to arami ovedavi. Now, if mitchila ovdei avodazara hayu avoteinu, that's terach. And after all, Avram Avinu was the one who discovered monotheism, let's say, you know, in that kind of way of talking. But certainly he discovered God, that that man could have a relationship with God, and that relationship with God would be that God would tell us what to do, and we would do it, which was a radical departure from what, what Ovdeh Avodah thought, where they thought they could manipulate God in this world. But Avram Avinu discovered this curious idea, that if God tells you to do a mitzvah, you do the mitzvah. That's, that's our Ravidu. That's why when we meet up with Avram Avinu, like in the Chumash, where does the story of Avram Avinu begin? Hashem Avram, Lech Lecha. Lech Lecha is a tzivui. It's a command. 
right? Forgetting about the issue of in modernity, whether it has any application to us or not. But Avram Avinu, like, like you say to yourself, who is Avram Avinu? Is he a philosopher? No indication. A theologian? No indication. What is he? He's a person who listened to God. Where was Avram Avinu going when he went to, when God told him to go to Canaan? He was going to Canaan. You remember? Terach took the whole family and they were on their way to Canaan. Then God told Avram Avinu, go to Canaan. And so Avram Avinu went through that catharsis, a major change. You could go someplace in a, uh, uh, a kind of a non-committed manner. You're going in a certain direction because you heard that it's good there. Or you could go because God told you to go there. There's a, an essential difference. And Avram Avinu is the one who created that essential difference. There's no indication in the Torah that, I mean, there's Shevet Mitzvot B'nai Noach are connected to the Torah, but there's no indication in the Torah that God told anybody to do anything after Adam HaRishon. Right? It's Adam HaRishon, and that's the end. There's no more Tzivuyim. The next person who got a Tzivuy was Avram Avinu. What? Noach to build the ark? Okay. But that was to save himself. It wasn't like uh, purposeless. It was not just to follow God's directive. It was more like God was a shutaf with, uh, with Noah. I, I think there's a difference. But I agree, I accept the, uh, the comment. But I think there's a difference. So now let's, let's uh, go back to the psukim. Vanita v'amata lefnei Hashem elokecha Right? There's an Aramean, that's Lavan, who tried to kill Yaakov, So now there are three starting points. There are three starting points for the story that we tell on the night of Pesach. Right? One starting point is Avodim Hayino, the power of Israel. We were slaves. We start as slaves. That's the way the story starts. The second is Mitchila, Ovde Avodazara, Ayu Avotene. We start from Terach. And the third starting point is Yaakov and Lovon. And, and the third starting point is incomprehensible. Why ya- Yaakov didn't go to Mitzrayim because Lovon tried to kill him. I mean, I mean what does the Possek mean? What, what, what did the Possek think it's saying? Yaakov Avinu went to Mitzrayim because there was no food to eat. I mean, okay, there was, uh, the story is a little more complicated than that, but he lived happily in Eretz Canaan, and he went to Eretz Mitzrayim in order to get food. He didn't have enough food to eat. So if he didn't have enough food to eat, so what's this got to do with Lovon? Why do we say, when we bring the Bikurim in the Beit HaMikdash, and we're all of us so happy about how things turned out, we say, Aramea Veda Ve Vayered Mitzrayim. Well, what's the connection between Aramea Veda Ve Vayered Mitzrayim? If you say that it's Terach, okay, Terach had a son, his name was Avram. And Avram was promised by God that the Jews, his descendants, would go to Mitzrayim, okay? But it's not causality. But if it's not causality, why should we tell the story from Terach? What has Terach got to do with Yitzhak Mitzrayim? What does Terach have to do with Yitzhak Mitzrayim? What does Lovon have to do with Yitzhak Mitzrayim? I, mean, I hope you are, you are following my question here. Now, if you look at the Ibn Ezra, the Ibn Ezra represents another school of thought. School, I mean there are other people who agree with the Ibn Ezra. 
So Arami, Arami is Lovon, according to Rashi. But according to the Ibn Ezra, Arami is Yaakov Avinu. Just one second, we'll find it. Matam Leimor, the second line, Oved Avi, you see the, the second part of the Ibn Ezra, the second line, Matam Leimor, Lavan Bikesh Lavid Avi, Vayered Mitzrayma. What, what does that mean? After all, he says, Lavan Losi Bevleredet El Mitzrayim. Lavan was not the cause of Yaakov going down to Mitzrayim. Vakarov, you see, it's the one, two, three, four, the fifth line in the Ibn Ezra. The first word on the fifth line. Hakarov means, as, as far as I can make it out, the Ibn Ezra says. You know, I, I haven't got like a mathematical proof. But this seems to me to be correct. Sha'arami hu Yaakov. According to Rashi, who's Arami? In Lavan. And according to the Ibn Ezra, who is Arami? Yaakov. So he says, Ke'ilu amar katuv, as though the Pesach says, Kasher ya'avi ba'aram, ba'aram, ha'ya'oved. He was like in, in, in dire trouble. He was in a bad situation, Yaakov Avinu Vatam, Ani below Mamun. He was very, very poor. Vechein Tunusachar lo Oved, Vaed Yishte. And as he has these kinds of language proofs from different psukim, and he, and he says that the story is really a story about Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov was Oved Avi. He was in bad, in a bad situation. And then Vayered Mitzrayma. Vayered Mitzrayma. How, how the Ibn Ezra thinks that what he says fits into what, uh, what the Pasuk says, I don't know. I do not know. What? No, that's when he, yeah, when he was in, when he was in, uh, uh, in Aram with Lavan. Lavan didn't give him any money. No, he didn't pay him for, for his services. So he was terribly poor. That also doesn't follow it, that, uh, it's fine. No, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. It doesn't at all. And, and even if it did, if it, there was some kind of a, a causal relationship, but the Mishnah itself says that there are two stories. But this is a kind of third story. And what, what does the third story, what does the third story mean? Let's, let's go back to Avadim Hayinu Leparobe Mitzrayim. I'm sorry, Mitchila, let's go back to the second story, which is Mitchila of Dei Avodazara Hayu Avotenu. Vachshav kevanu hamakom lavodato. Vachshav kevanu hamakom lavodato. And this is fortified by a posseg in Yoshua. Vayomi Yoshua kolam ko amar Hashem elokei Yisrael beva nahayish vavateichem eolam. 
דרך אבי אברהם ואבי נחור ויעבדו אלוקים אחרים. וקח את אביכם את אברהם מעבר לנהר והולך אותו בכל ארץ כנען ועבר את זרעו ותן לו את יצחק ותן ליצחק את יעקב ואת עשיו ותן לעשיו את הר שעיר לרשת אותו ויעקב ובניו ירדו מצרים. So the question of course is what is the story of יציאת מצרים? So according to the Rambam, which we saw last week, the story of Yitziat Mitzrayim is the story of Nisim v'Niflot. Where in the Haggadah is the story of Nisim v'Niflot? After the drasha of Arami Ovedavi. And there the Haggadah says, Dam, Tzvadeya, Kinim. You remember, you know, you take your pinky for some reason, and you dip it into the wine, and you drop drops of wine for each of the makot. But that is the beginning of the story of Nisim v'Niflaot that, uh, that the Rambam told us about. But there's another story. There's another story of Yitziat Mitzrayim. And that's the story of the awareness that B'nai Yisrael had of their relationship to HaKadosh Baruch which prepared them for Kabbalah Torah. In other words, as the Maharal says many times in different ways, that you can't accept something if you're not ready to accept it, if you're not prepared. So if you're interested in, uh, if you're interested in English literature and somebody gives you your favorite book translated into Chinese, one could argue that you haven't received anything because you don't have the capacity to receive a book that's written in Chinese. You can't read it. The same thing is true, the Maral says about the Torah. Only certain kinds of people with a certain kind of awareness of the relationship between HaKadosh Baruch and Am Yisrael could receive the Torah. And that relationship was created, was forged, was defined, determined at the time of Yitziat Mitzrayim. Yitziat Mitzrayim, what was going on, was not only a punishment for the Egyptians, but it was an awareness that was being given over to B'nai Yisrael about God's power, God's concern for Am Yisrael, the direction of history, all of those things, all of those things are included in Yitziat Mitzrayim. So that the Sipur Nisim and Niflaot that the Rambam is talking about is not only about God's punishing the Egyptians. It's not only about God's concern for Am Yisrael at a particular moment, but it teaches me greater truths about God and the relationship of God to the created world or the relationship of God to Am Yisrael. And that's all part of the story of Yitziat Mitzrayim. So when I talk about the Nisim and Niflaot, when I talk about the Nisim and Niflaot, I don't only talk about frogs and lice, if you have the capacity to talk about lice. So, so if, you, if you are... You don't talk about frogs. You don't talk about lice. You don't talk about the mess that the, that the Makot created, but you could talk about the concern that God indicated for his people who were slaves in Egypt. That's a different, it's the same story. 
It's just a different focus. There's a different focus on the story. So there's no doubt that the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, the Nisim and Niflaot are preparatory for receiving the Torah. And that's what the Rambam said. He didn't say it, but that's what he meant. That's what the Rambam meant. That's why Nisim and Niflaot are so important. Not in themselves. The Rambam himself says Nisim and Niflaot are a trivial aspect of, of, of our understanding of God. Because of course God can make uh, miracles. So what? I mean, I mean, that's not, that's not a, a, an illumination for us. It's not a chidush. That's something that we, we came to find out about. Of course God can do miracles. That's not, no, not even interesting. But what does that mean in the context of Yitzhak Mitzrayim? What do we have to say about the divine concern for Am Yisrael? What do we have to say about punishment, about reward and punishment takes place in the world? What do we have to say about all of these things? All of these things are in the Nisim and the Niflaot. That's one thing. But we see that in the Mishnah and in the, uh, in the Mishnah and in the Haggadah, there is a concern about that question. When does the story of Yitziat Mitzrayim begin? There's concern about that question. And obviously if there's concern about that question is because the answer to that question was seen as being very meaningful. It wasn't like the Haggadah comes and says, oh, when did it start? Like uh, everybody say whatever they want. But the Haggadah knew that the answer to the question was meaningful. And therefore it forces us into that question. And the answer to that question is, I mean, this is a, according to a different Hasiduyot, right? The, the Rav, Rav Nachman says it someplace, and other, and other Rebbeim say this, that the world demanded, I mean, like what the world was, demanded a Am Yisrael imitation of Avram Avinu. That the nation of Israel, the nation of Yisrael, Am Yisrael, B'nai Yisrael, was like Avram Avinu in that, just as Avram Avinu had to break away from his father. That's what he, he made him. That's what, it was his tremendous understanding of what Avodah Hashem was and what idolatry was, produced the result that he broke away. He was created out of the, you know, the, the Kabbalists say, the klipot of, of uh, terach, uh, like the garbage that he left behind. That's how he was created. And this is repeated, not by Yitzchak, of course, who was an olat mimar, that's what Chazal say. He was a pure sacrifice. He, he achieved a level of purity which was distinguished him either from Avram Avinu or from Yaakov Avinu. But Yaakov went through a similar process. When did he go through that similar process, becoming Yaakov Avinu? When he was in the house of Lavan. And Lavan, obviously, if you read the story, he was there for a long time. Lavan gave him wives, his own daughters, he made him part of, he tried to subjugate him by making him work and not paying him. And Yaakov Avinu was able at the end of that to break free of the shackles of the idolatry 
of Lavan. So that Yaakov Avinu is an imitation of Avram Avinu. And the story, the story of, of Yitzhiat Mitzrayim is not the story, is not the story of uh, the accidental enslavement of B'nai Yisrael to the Egyptians and then uh, God re- releasing them uh, somehow through the miracles. But Yitzhiat Mitzrayim is an imitation on that level of Avram and Terach and Yaakov and Lovon. And Yaakov and Lovon, that means that Avram Avinu had to break away from the idolatry of his father. Yaakov Avinu had to break away from the idolatry of Lovon and his whole, that whole family thing that they had there. And B'nai Yisrael, who were slaves, and Chazal say, wallowing in the Memtet Share Tum'ah, which means, which means that in Egypt, the culture, the general culture, was so overwhelming that it was very difficult for B'nai Yisrael to continue an independent kind of existence, but they did. So that this is a different aspect of the story of Yitziat Mitzrayim. And it explains to us why there had to be a Yitziat Mitzrayim. Or more precisely, it explains to us why there had to be slavery that preceded Yitziat Mitzrayim. Because in order to forge Am Yisrael, it had to be as Avram came out of the world of Terach, and as Yaakov came out of the world of Lavan, so too did Am Yisrael, in order to define itself, have to come out of the world of total idolatry, and, and, and uh, 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 achieve an independent identity as Ovdei as Ovde Hashem. So that the, story, that the story is told from both ends, from two different ends, right? From the, the end of the, st- like the Am Yisrael part of the story, and then there's the imitative part of the story. The story is the, also the story of Avram Avinu and the story of Yaakov Avinu. And that's why... I told you there's a machloket between Rashi and Ibn Ezra about who Arami or Veda V is. But certainly in the Haggadah, in the Haggadah it says, Tzayol Ahmad, There's no doubt uh, from the Haggadah that we're talking about Yaakov Avinu in the Rashi manner. And not talking about, about uh, uh, it says, Arami Oveda V, Vayoga Sham, Melamed Shelo Yerad Yaakov Avinu Lishtakeb Mitzrayim, Elalagur Sham. That's why Yaakov Avinu went to Mitzrayim, but he was forced, he was forced to kind of live under the, the, uh, Slavery, the, in the, enslaved by uh, by Paro Mitzrayim, because that's what leaving. You have to leave an, uh, another identity. You have to pull yourself apart from the Mitzrayim. That's what Yitziat Mitzrayim really was. It wasn't just B'nai Yisrael standing there waiting for God to act. That was instructive for B'nai Yisrael about God's relationship to the world. But it was not what B'nai Yisrael went through. B'nai Yisrael went through this change. 
this radical change in which uh, they became they became free of the chains of idolatry. I know that this uh, that you might ask about the Egel Azahab, which was built by the Jews uh, according to some Mephoshim on the model of Mitzrayim, and um, it just proves that tearing yourself away, a whole nation tearing itself away from the context in which they find themselves in Misraya for hundreds of years is very difficult. It's not something that is obvious, but that's what was going on according to the story that is told in the Haggadah. Okay. I know it's, it's a little early, but I have nothing else to say. Excuse me? But God promised Noah that the world would not be destroyed, at least not in that way. So that waiting for Avram Avinu was... Uh, look, you could, you, could say that, you could say that the world had to work out. I mean, how could it be that God would create a world that would not work out? But, you know, I like my speculation better than your speculation. In this case, is, I mean, I like to be optimistic about our existence. Okay, have a, a good Shabbos. Want Daven Marif? We can Daven Marif, no? Daven already? What? Oh, you only have nine? Oh. So we, if we only have nine, we won't Daven Marif. <laughs>